FMX Network Production. You cast me What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity. All right, man? Welcome back to another episode of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. I'm Darkside from the Moto X Pod Show, and we are about to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show. But first, I have to thank all of our amazing sponsors. You know all about Michelin Motorcycle Tires from the Pulp MX Show, and now I'm excited to announce that Michelin Bicycle Tires is a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium-finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin Bicycle Tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, Stay tuned for more info about a Pulpamex discount code on Michelin Bicycle Tires. Follow at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram and check out bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. And of course, Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and Jeremy McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, JGR Suzuki, and many more. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsports.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. And, of course, don't forget to go to PulpMixShow.com for all the sponsor links and discount codes. If you want to be on the Pulpamex Wrap-Up Show, or you have questions or comments, or you want to submit a question for the Hello Pookie segment, just send them to DarkSide at PulpMix.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. Completely different. There's no way. Thumb throttle, not a twist throttle. I mean, you oh, can a thumb that. throttle. Fuck, that would take God years to master. No, you know what quad guys are? They're time. failed motocrossers. <laughs> That's what quad guys are. No. Quad guys are guys who suck balls on dirt bikes. That's what- All right, first up, brought to you by Guts Racing, the owner of Guts Racing, Mr. Andy Gregg. What's up, Andy? How's it going, Dark Side? It's going good, man. Good. Great to talk to you. Excited. Um, yeah, I'm ready to get this thing going. This is a really fun episode, but also on the line, brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires, and from Race Tech, Mr. Chris Riesenberg. What's up, Chris? Hi, just a caged animal. Caged animal, like a tiger in a cage? Yeah, something like that, for sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we're going to probably not talk about Tiger King. I think those guys have worn that out, um, but we are going to talk about episode 421, Paul Parabino's in studio, uh, on the phone guest, CR22, of course, Chris Riesenberg, JT Money as always, Jeremy Schism, and Michael Lindsay all on the line. Uh, Andy, man, uh, Paul Parabino's in studio. Paul's a pretty knowledgeable guy. You've, uh, you've had that gig being in studio before. What did you think of Paul's performance? Uh, I thought he did uh, outstanding. Yeah, I like Paul, man. He's smart um, and, and always has good stuff and, you know, good good info. Uh, Chris, what about you, man? You think Paul pulled his own weight? 
Yeah, absolutely. He's a got a really good voice for radio for one and he, yep. he knows a lot of facets of motorcycling from being extremely talented rider himself to his industry experience to just the people that he hangs out with i mean it seems like <laughs> right he knows pretty much everyone in the industry so he has a lot of info to share that's for sure absolutely uh, andy um you know when you've been in studio do you feel any pressure to you know perform up to any kind of level because pulp is such a big show or is, you know it's just basically bench racing with your buddies uh, it's pretty much bench racing. I mean, I've only been able to be in there in studio once with with Pulp. Um, been in studio a lot with um, another show, but at Pulp, um, I was I was cursed by the do- by the the dogs. The Basset Hounds got me, man. Every time every time they would ask me a question or something, the dog was tripping over over my my mic cord. And oh yeah, me. I yeah. Mean, it, was, it was like it was like such a botched thing, and uh, I was on there with AC. I was on with AC, and it was uh, the, the Monday night after the Vegas uh, finale, you know? So, oh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, right. It was, okay. It was, it, was, it was a disaster, but it, it was a fun disaster, right? You know, it was, it was all fun, and, and um, it was good. I think, I think right now um, I would actually, right now going on, I think would be a good time for somebody in the industry that is, um, you know, like, you know, somebody like me from Guts or – Race Tech or any of these, you know, FMF, any of these companies um, would have a better show now than they would during race season because of the, you know, not being overshadowed by what the races were done. You could actually be a little more in depth and, you know, in, yeah. in talks about your your product and things. So I think right now, like I would, I'm kind of almost drooling, like wishing I could be on the show right now because it's. I think it's got a little bit different vibe with the with the current situation everybody's in where during race season like when i was there i mean uh randy richardson was there and i mean there's a couple other i mean the place was packed I and mean, we had a lot of people on the show so right a little I think more I hectic. Got, yeah it was a little more hectic but yeah. um yeah that no, makes I mean, sense I, I don't i don't I, I don't get nervous yeah well and that that's probably not I mean, that's probably be pretty easy to do, get you in studio, I think, because like this past week, uh, Steve mentioned David Villeman was supposed to be the in-studio guest, and he wasn't super comfortable with coming up there, I guess, with everything that was going on, and Paul filled in, but I would, yeah, that'd be cool to get you back in, and that other show you mentioned, Main Event Moto, I mean, we're allowed to say that, I mean, even if Steve doesn't, like, you know, we're all we're all a family here, Daniel obviously has been in studio many times, but hey, I want to, first thing I want to get to is Chad Reed, um, Chad Reed, you know, He's a, he's a friend of the show. He's always really good with Steve and uh, had a lot of good stuff, Chris. Um, you know, talking about sim racing again, you know, told Zach O needs us to, you know, nut up and go buy that sim. And I don't think Zach will, but what do you think about Chad? Well, it's uh, funny you asked me for my top five to talk about. Yeah. And most of the time I would break down just one piece of, of an interview or something like that. And I literally just sent you Chad Reed because, as usual, he's. He's not afraid to speak his mind, so it makes him a good guest. And he likes to spin the pot and, <laughs> and that sort of things. I was I was really shocked by a few of the things he was saying um, when he was like, "Screw the teams." Yes. <laughs> and then also he dropped the bomb of he might be interested in doing select races next year, which as a as a fan would be, you know, pretty dang sweet. And then and then he came in with the number one plate story, which <laughs> right. just by itself would have been good content. And um, I think they started off his interview actually started off a little rough because he was so distracted, I think, from his from his eye racing stuff. And then they went into the money's tight thing. Yeah, um, yeah. With Ricky, which was hilarious. So um, as a whole, yeah, it was a 
it was, I would say, the highlight of the show, maybe besides the end with the quad god, which I'm sure we'll get to. Yeah, we're definitely, <laughs> we're, there's definitely going to be some quad talk at the end of this thing. But uh, yeah, Andy, Chad was, like we said, obviously very good. Uh, mentioned, yeah, you know, I'd come out of retirement to race at Qualcomm. If that, if that happens, uh, just obviously that was part of the discussion of what we're going to do with Supercross this year. Um, and yeah, like Chris said, you know, he talked about give me a break is basically what he said about these contracts. It's about the sport is basically what he was saying. I think. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's how I took it. Is it? It's more about the sport. Yeah. And, and um, but yeah, Qualcomm, it it's a magical place. I've I've always liked that stadium too. I mean, for the people that don't make it out to California or whatever, but it it is a super cool city. And Qualcomm is set up where the little BART thing or whatever they call it, the little tram. Um, you can still stay like downtown in the cool in the cool area where it's fun to hang out in the Gasland district. Yeah, and still make it to Qualcomm by riding the little tram. Like you don't even need it's like twelve bucks or something for a like a two day pass to ride the thing, and you can just ride it from Tijuana from the border Tijuana all the way to Qualcomm back down the city. I mean, oh, me and my cool. friends for years for years I've been going. I mean, to San Diego is always one of my favorite races to go to just because. Um, the town is just the way everything's set up and the stadiums are, it's real convenient to, to enjoy yourself where some of the other stadiums, you're kind of like, you fly in, you go right to the, where the stadium's at and you kind of just stay in that zone Yeah, and then yeah. you fly home Yep, and you fly home. So that's cool. I've, ne- I've never yeah, been to Qualcomm. Uh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, it was awesome. It was really awesome. And if I remember right, people tailgated a ton there too, because the parking lot was huge. And I guarantee they didn't have the security that they have at the new stadium either. Oh, that, which, yeah. The yeah. parking and security sucks. It is a beautiful stadium and location. But um, I also have a soft spot for Qualcomm. Not maybe the softest chat reads, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, I also enjoyed it and experienced it much like Andy did. So that would be pretty cool. I just want to get racing, yeah. No kidding, man. But So a couple of the things that Chad said that I thought was kind of interesting is Steve asked him about, you know, did he really try to hire JS7? Um for Tutu Motorsports, and you know we hear all these stories about oh they they hate each other, and I know some of that's somewhat true, Chris. But and then we saw obviously at Tampa this this year there was pictures of them where they they talked you know in the pits. But I mean, it, it I was very surprised that Chad would have even tried to hire him based off everything that I the I've always perceived as their relationship that he would even go you know after him. That's that was a pretty cool story to hear him confirm. I think that's what we've seen of Chad's personality to an extent of he's okay to forgive people. You know, he might hate him on the racetrack even, um, but if it makes business sense or if there's a logical reason for something to work. And then, I mean, you've seen it with, you know, him and Ricky were pretty fierce rivals at one point too, and now they're great friends. And, right. Um, I mean, you see that a lot in racing, I guess, in, in general. I don't, I don't know if maybe catch all love each other still, but other <laughs> than that, pretty much the guys, once they quit racing, they, there's a respect there from the battles that they did, and they become actually probably better friends than if they didn't have those rivalries and battles. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Andy, so another something I want to talk to you about is, uh, obviously Chris came on and talked a little bit about race tech and the business side of things that are going on right now, as well as Jeremy Schism from AEO Motorsports, um, which, I mean, look, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, smaller businesses, motorcycle dealerships, everybody's affected. You know, you you obviously own Guts Racing. It's not a you know a multi billion dollar company. It's a small company. Um, how's it affecting you? Are you basically dealing with the same thing that Chris and Jeremy talked about, or, or you know, is things still? How's it going with your business? Um, we're we're still, I mean, rocking and rolling. I mean, we're 
we're the same or better than last year as far as the Guts brand mm-hmm. through our website sales and um, uh, just stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I just happened to run a report yesterday on some stuff just to see where we're at. And some of the manufacturing we do for other companies, excuse me, for other companies uh, that you technically are competitors in, a, like, say, in a bike shop that we manufacture for, some of their numbers are down um, from where they would be last year at this time. But as far as the Guts brand, we're the same or just, you know, a few percentage points better. So we, have, we haven't really felt the, any sort of decline there. Um, I think maybe it might be a trickle-down effect, though. Like, it, I think people will be back to work before we actually see a slowdown because right now they're right off work. They, they just want to ride. People are looking for hope. You know, they're, they're sick and tired of all the negativity in the media, so they're looking for hope. And how do you make – I know how I make myself happy. I go get my dirt bike, <laughs> I go load it up, and I go somewhere and I ride, right? Yeah, yeah. So people are – I feel like people are, are working on their bikes more right now during this than they did in the recession, you know, years ago, right? When, when the economy crashed years ago, people, people were buying eggs and milk and groceries, where right now they're just kind of like, hey, this is a sickness, like – there's a light at the end of the day. Every, we all know there's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take to get down the tunnel. But uh, what will happen is, is I think there was a big rush, right? When everybody got sent home or put on, on stay-at-home orders, we had a huge rush. Like, orders just, like, going crazy. Like, what is going on? But people were home, and they're like, you know what? We really can't do anything. So now here's, here's I got time to do an EC cover, or I got time to replace this on the seat foam or whatever. Um, now... Maybe maybe in May and June we might be a little bit slower because those people ordered now and not not then or, or vice versa whatever. But um, at this current time we are at you know normal capacity, no no hiccups. That's good, man. I mean, yeah, I've I've definitely I just had a box show up today with parts in it, so um, I yeah I haven't really slowed my spending any yet. Um, Chris, something about your interview that I really enjoyed was you just talking about getting back into riding and taking it easy you know but kind of building back up not going out there and trying to kill yourself but finding the love of it again uh i mean it's it's hard for that to ever go away but man when you take some time off and get back to it it's pretty unreal absolutely i mean i think you can probably hear the excitement in my my voice to talk about dirt bikes and yeah um it's even more passion i've always loved it i mean i've went to a lot of races and i worked in the industry because i love it and stuff but to actually experience riding again and you know the first few times it wasn't really as much fun as it is now because i got over the hump of it being so difficult to that i felt porn um i felt like i was learning to ride again to where now it's <laughs> yeah. just straight up just riding like we normally do like out with your buddies you can chase each other around and stuff like that because it's it's all come back a little bit so it's definitely uh it's cool and i'm glad to share that because uh, people are looking for positivity and, and hope and whatnot and um, Steve brought up the you know the Western Challenge thing, and yes. literally we did that because I wanted to make some people laugh. So I put some <laughs> stuff on my Instagram of being just an idiot on purpose because I wanted to give some entertainment out there in the world. Yeah, I enjoyed that on your Instagram. That was really fun. I, I uh, saw that you know I guess a day or two before the Monday show or whatever. But it, yeah, it was entertaining, and um, I, you know, I, I did some riding this last weekend. It's definitely fun being at the track and. Even with all these little stupid rules, or I say stupid, but it just seems ridiculous a little bit to be have to stay six feet apart. I was, you know, I've kind of still 
hanging out with my buddies. I was like, whatever, man. That's just I, I have a hard time, you know, worrying about this. I guess I just I, it may sounds bad, but I don't want to let it affect me. So I'm just trying to live go to a, a part or go through things as normal and go to the track and hang out with my buddies is about the most normal thing I can do right now. So, but yeah, your your interview, man, it was really fun. It was interesting to hear you talk about it and fun. Uh, the Western deal with Steve and Kiefer and A-Ray, man, just A-Ray launching those jumps, flat landing. Steve's good, just good at telling stories and his show. I th- I see a lot of the responses on social media right now of just how much people appreciate that he's still doing shows because it is a, you know, a highlight during the week for everybody. Um, all right, let's move on just a little bit. Uh, Steve brought up that there, once again, there's no works connection. Will call. Uh, Will's been kind of blowing him off a little bit, and Steve thinks the team told him no. Later in the show, Will, I guess, had texted him and said he would do it. We don't know when. What do you think about it, Chris? Do you think we're going to get Will back anytime soon? I think we'll get Will back. I think that there needs to be a little bit of a an off-the-record conversation and agreement in there. Um it's just, I literally wrote up my notes, Will, with a sad face. Um, <laughs> he is one of the best people in the industry. He's such a just down-to-earth, nice person. And yeah. um, his and Steve's relationship is obviously pretty good. And I don't think that this will actually hurt their friendship long-term at no. all. So I think it's more Will just letting things kind of calm down and, and blow over. And, I mean, the other thing is he might be looking at, he doesn't really have a lot to talk about right now. You know, and who knows if... You know, Yamaha's telling him, hey, we don't really want to talk about it. You know, our guys are out riding. You know, just the corporation doesn't really want to oh, yeah, put that yeah. image out there. It's just, you know, anything you talk about with it is everyone has different opinions of what you should be doing, how seriously you should be taking it, etc. So it wouldn't surprise me if that was also going on there. So, But I do think we'll get him back, and I sure hope so, because it's always a fun segment. Yeah, definitely. Andy, uh, your thoughts on Will? Uh, you think same thing, just kind of putting a little time in between the, the situation? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And, I mean, it makes for good radio, right? Yeah, not as good as waiting <laughs> for the waiting for the Star, Star Yamaha test, but, yeah, it's still good radio. Uh, all right, uh, how about the travel stories? We got a lot of travel stories between JT and Steve this week. Um Chris, this is one of the things that you put in your notes that you you thought was pretty funny. We got Steve taking you know a, a picture with a polar bear, I believe. Uh, we've got the gas and dash. We've got the Czech JT sleeping in his car in full gear in the Czech Republic. Jeez, uh, I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> and of course the, the the racing the cars down the autobahn. Lots of great stories. Uh, what was your favorite? Um, I think my favorite was the was the polar bear picture one because he took it out of some dude's apartment and they gave yeah. it to his mom. Like, like, hey, look, I saw this. That's that's so awesome. And <laughs> I took the picture. I guess it's uh, I think the the cooler part about it is just how organically these stories come out on on pulp. But that's why we all love it. It's, yeah, you never know what turn the show's going to take, like where it's going to go. It's it was yeah, but I think that one might be my might be my favorite. It's not like JT really wanted to talk about their little auto racing episodes. He uh, did. It yeah. might have been one of those. So you really, you, it's hard to picture. It's like we need to go pros on them or something. Yeah, I like. He shot the gap. Uh, Andy, how about you? What did you have a favorite of those? Yeah, of course. Because I mean, since I, I mean, me and you've talked about it plenty of times about uh, you know what I do now as a hobby and that's you know, race, race a car on the weekend. So anytime I hear racing and we're an Audubon, because I've never been there and one <laughs> yeah. day I want to at least go drive the Audubon, but being able just to, like, 
a lot of times when I think about like uh, racing where it's not in close course competition, you know, the first thing I think of What's that? is Days of Thunder. <laughs> and and yeah. two, rental cars, two rental cars and just a good old time, right? Yes. So that's uh, like whenever I hear like stories of like street racing or whatever, like I just think about like, do they, you know, was it, was it as good as Days of Thunder with two rental cars? So, uh, but <laughs> that, that would be, I mean, that's, that's kind of like, that's what makes my ears perk when, when people start t- telling stories about, um, you know, racing down the highway or whatever. Cause I mean, we, even us racers do that in our big rigs. I was coming home from Chico years ago and, uh, it's about a two and a half hour drive from the Chico racetrack to Placerville where I live. And we're, we race Friday and 39. There's a lot of, there's a lot going on. And, I mean, I feel like I'm in California in a, in a big truck and trailer, you're, well, any truck and trailer, anything you're towing, you're only allowed to go 55 or supposed to go 55. And I'm in a 53 foot semi. I got a, my freight liner and I'm, and I, and I just race and I'm, I'm in top gear and I'm hunting down the freeway pretty good. I'm like, you know, I'm doing like 65, 70 ish. Like, man, somebody's coming up on me pretty good, but it's on a cop because the headlights are, the headlights are pretty high off the ground. So here comes another semi trailer, you know, another race team just swarmed past me. I had to get up to 82 before I started catching them. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're trying to lose track, but you know, you're like kind of getting that mode, then when you're racing, you then kind of get you. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny, really. I tell my, my kids and my stepkids or whatever all the time, like, they'll tell me it's not a competition or it's not a race I'm like everything is a competition when you're a racer you just can't everything's a competition you don't want to lose at anything so yeah i i think my favorite was uh jt sleeping in the car in the all full gear because i could just see steam coming out of his ears you know how mad he would have been um but yeah definitely <laughs> definitely good stuff so if you guys haven't listened to the full pulp show yet you got to go check those out uh, Chris, how about the caller whose name was Harry Johnson? And basically, I feel like the whole call was just for so he could tell his name, and it really fell a little flat. It was extremely awkward, which <laughs> I've always wondered with listening. As man, there's some terrible callers. Actually, last time we did the wrap up show was after was after Kellen was in studio, and I thought that might have been the worst night of callers ever. Oh yeah, and I think Harry Johnson might have been one of the worst <laughs> callers ever. Um, he was definitely looking for some attention. I don't think he was sober by any means. Um, he was either looking for attention and, well, he definitely was looking for attention, but he might have been one of those guys looking for a giveaway or a prize. Like, yeah. oh, feel bad for me. My name's Harry Johnson. Give me something. Yeah. Um, which those callers always just completely pissed me off. And I mean, I'm all about giving away product on the show and stuff. Um, and it's something that we do from time to time, but I hate the guys that call him to just try to get it instead of actually add content to the show. It's like, what the heck are you doing? And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And, and you I could see a a drunk RV maybe would have went with it, or a keeper could have went with the name <laughs> a little bit and ran yeah. with it. But he definitely picked the wrong show because, um, while Paul has a really good personality and he's pretty witty here and there, he's also wears the corporate hat really well, and he's not going to touch that. Right. And Steve's not going to run with it if he doesn't have anyone to egg him on and get him fired up. No, Kiefer, Kiefer would have been a good one, like you say, in studio for that. I think, or Randy Richardson, one of those two would have probably made a 15-minute segment out of that. But, yeah, that was, it definitely <laughs> fell flat Monday night. Okay, a couple questions that I want to hit you guys with before we get into uh, the four-wheeler talk. Um, Paul asked Steve, you know, could we have a national with no fans? 
Steve says no, um, you know, and I because obviously the business side of it, this is how the Nationals really make their money. They got to have those ticket sales. Um, but you know, what if? I, I know this is almost unlikely, pretty unlikely or almost impossible, Andy. But you know, if MX Sports stepped up and said, "All right, we're going to pay you whatever this amount so we can run this race," do you think it would be something that could ever happen? As far as having a, a national without fans, like, well, the thing is, is it all like I really would like to, you know, have to see the numbers. I think I think a national would survive without fans. Uh, if they got a fair shake at TV, like yes, yeah. what I mean by that is that they have the same quality as Supercross has. Like, because I mean, trust me, I buy the apps for I buy the apps for the outdoors because I can't stand watching the outdoors on my TV because I hate jumping between two different channels mm-hmm. with two different, you know, like it just I don't know. There's something about their TV thing bugs me. But I'll tell you what I don't I don't enjoy going to nationals. I mean really? I've become uh, I've, I've I've become a spoiled a spoiled <laughs> dirt bike enthusiast. Um, I only go to the Supercross, the outdoors, uh, Hingtown, which is my my local one. It's very rare that I even go. If I go, it'll be on Thursday just to take care of some business stuff. But it, you know a lot of people don't know this, but Hingtown is probably the closest one to an actual city and an airport. A lot of these nationals they're out in the middle of nowhere. Right. Okay, so you know what I mean. Like, it, it just there's inconvenient. Yeah, I you know, like I can't just fly even to Washougal. Like, I, just, I gotta you gotta fly into Portland or you gotta whatever, and then you gotta get a rental car. Like, it's just it's it's not nothing about them are convenient, and that Supercross is convenient. And I think they actually would because of that. I actually think they could survive without fans. But they would have to have a better TV program than they currently have. Like it, it would have to be, I don't know, just a different level of, of TV to where fans would would feel that there's more value in the paying, even if it was I don't know, ten bucks a round or something to watch them, or you know, where they could recoup some money, or even yeah. whatever, like five bucks a round or something to recoup the money back. But they would have to have a better level of TV coverage and. Um, things with the TV, like more camera angles and maybe even because the world is changing to where even the, the consumer, you pay 29 bucks or something, and then you get to choose the camera angles you want to watch, right? You know, sure, so yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I'm just like, that would have to, that would be, but I really think of, of, you know, if anything, the outdoors are the ones that could probably do the no fans the easiest. For Supercross, for me, I feel like it's a, it's a, I would rather be at a Supercross than watch it on TV because I feel like I get more out of it. Yeah, I see, there. I see what you're saying, like in that lo- the logistics way. But I, I, like you said, you know, the tracks make their money off the ticket sales, and they would have to definitely get a piece of the pie. Uh, and obviously, that there's no way any of that's going to happen quickly before June of this yeah. year to, to to help out with that at, at all. So, um, Chris, uh, another thing that got brought up was Steve. Um, or maybe it's Paul, I think, that asked, you know, could MX Sports and Supercross switch schedules, uh, which, yeah, I don't see that happening. Steve mentioned he thought that they, just to begin with, he thought MX Sports and Feld would be like World War Three. so he was somewhat impressed, as we most of us are, that they even work together at all. But what do you think about them switching schedules? And then also Paul said he only sees Feld getting five more Supercross in. Do you have any thoughts on those two topics? Um, I think that... I think that the outdoor series, in my opinion, will be at the mercy of whatever 
the Supercross series is going to do. And mm-hmm. luckily, the the people that have moved into power on the Supercross side are very conscious of the sport. They've been around the sport, and they care about the sport as a whole and not just as a business as a whole, um, which is really valuable. But, the, you know, the real driving force here, and we saw it with, like, the road racing side, is you can't just tell the OEMs, screw you, it doesn't matter what you guys care, um, which is kind of what Reed said to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's screw you guys. But, you know, they tried that in road racing, and it destroyed road racing in America. Like, it just, it's not ever going to probably recuperate to be the same as it is. And, you know, you have very smart people at MX Sports, and they also, you got to think, work with these OEMs on so many different levels of, you know, the Loretta Lens program, that's OEMs are a huge part of that, for instance, and even the Racer X brand, um, the OEM supports huge. So I think that the outdoors are, they're, they're unfortunately not the bigger series, so they are going to be second fiddle to what Supercross wants to do yep. and what the OEMs want to do, ultimately. Um, we'll depict that, and I think Supercross is able to be somewhat um, more demanding because it's it's harder to book a stadium than it is a racetrack. I mean, I wish we were in the day and age, which it'll be hard to get there with Feld because they're so much into, I mean, their whole business is promoting live shows and putting butts in seats. But with the TV thing and such, I think Supercross has an easier package to put together and sell without fans because they already have a better TV audience. And TV, um, it, the, the show is compacted for TV much better where Nationals is so long. Um, but it, t- it, t- it takes someone to sell it completely different um, to be able to pull that off. Whereas a National, I would have to think, too, the Nationals, the way that they function and make money is, isn't is just from the National Race Day. But I know you go to a handful of them, right, Dark Side, where yeah, you sure. do the amateur days and yep. you go camp for the whole weekend and, and that side of things, which... Yeah, there's a lot of revenue generated from that side. I mean, yes, the Nationals, the reason the guys come and spend that whole weekend there, but they're also getting entry fee money and gate fees and, you know, whether it's vendor sales and, and stuff like that that are additional that you wouldn't be able to get without fans to be able to make that Very really true. successful. Yeah. So, um, at the same point, too, I'm with Andy. I've always been a more of a Supercross guy. Um, especially because of being spoiled. The one thing I will say that's better about Nationals is that camping experience and seeing your buddies and in that side of things. So I still go to my local National, and I became much more excited about it when I started actually camping at the track like I used to do growing up and when I was racing and riding and stuff. Um, changed that experience quite a bit. So maybe get yeah. back to your roots, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to mention two things, and then we're going to get into the the big topic. So I, uh, I thought the Bullfrog Spa talk was very funny, uh, where Steve hadn't even thought about whether he could even get it in the backyard. Uh, his, his quote was, you know, thousands of people will do it. How hard can it be? Uh, we got some calls that were pretty entertaining about, you know, some ideas of using a crane. So I think uh, once this Bullfrog Spa thing actually happens, uh, it's it's going to be entertaining still. I think we're still going to get some stories out of this to see how that works. Uh, and maybe it is as simple as flipping it on its side, as they talked about, but pretty entertaining segment. And then I want to mention uh, one of the newer sponsors of Pulpamex, Art of Sport. Uh, because I try to you know per, or use a lot of the sponsors that support Pulp, I, I ordered some Art of Sport. But uh, I thought it was pretty funny where JT said, "I you know all of a sudden there's charcoal in my in my bath my." Uh, body wash you know i don't i don't know where this came from or when this started and paul had a really funny quote he's like yeah jt's gonna be running down the street and somebody's gonna wonder who's barbecuing uh 
I don't know. Those two things, they just kind of made me laugh. And, and I just wanted to bring up Art of Sport, uh, one of the new sponsors. And, of course, all the sponsors of the Pulp Mech Show, you can go to pulpmechshow.com. There are sponsor links, discount codes, uh, including Race Tech and Guts Racing, motorsport.com, uh, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Michelin Starcross 5 is obviously, obviously a big uh, supporter of the Pulp Show. So go go visit pulpmechshow.com. Um, okay, and of course, I want to thank the sponsors of our show, including Guts Racing, established in 1990. Uh, for the highest performance seat covers in the business and the best foam on the planet, visit GutsRacing.com. And if you want the best mountain bike tires in the world, it's Michelin Bicycle Tires, obviously. Bike.Michelin.com. Okay, quads. Who would have thought that uh, half the show felt like it was consumed with quad talk andy uh hammy tried to call he called in four times got on the air three times dude what a what a segment yeah i was i was dying like literally dying at work again like when i listen to folks unfortunately the best time for me to listen is at work but i also have you know people coming and going and asking questions and this and that and so some of the stuff I don't get to hear like solely in detail. Yeah. But once this started, like I was, I don't know why, but I just had a moment where I could just zone out and listen to all this stuff, and I was dying, and I was just jotting stuff down. And uh, I mean, the fact that uh, when they said the quad guys, because I don't know any like we sponsor guys that race the quads, right? Joel Hetricks and we won the championship last year and stuff like that. I mean, like don't even I understand quads, but as far as like the. I don't know the social side of it or the mm-hmm. the hot chicks the, in the fifth. Yeah, the hot chicks like that. That made me die because <laughs> I mean I would have never thought that the quad dudes. Because unfortunately, in our small like where we live, we're like in a kind of a redneck area, and, and so quadding is like a big deal. Like there's a lot of people that ride quads where I live. Like and I grew up with the guys that. Like, wanted to race quads. Okay, so race quads. Like, like where I live, there's a lot of mud parks. That's the kind of quads that we get. But you're talking about motocross. Oh, no, these guys, yeah. These guys thought okay. that they were going to be, like, you know, the next hot thing on yeah. racing a quad, right? Okay. And, okay. Uh, dude, when, I, when he said, like, the dude wore his jersey to the race, like, that's the, the quad guys that I knew in high school. They would wear their jerseys <laughs> to school. They would have their quad in the back of their truck. Yeah. Like, and then, and then, and when I was in high school, you know, I did the Loretta thing, right? So I was 16 years old, still riding a, a, an 85 because <laughs> you ride until you age out, right? Yeah, so yeah. I roll up, you know, I roll into school. I'm driving with my 85, two of them, my stock and my mo- and my modified, you know, both classes, you know, got them in the back of the truck, and I go practice that night. And then the quad dudes are all standing their jerseys on and their <laughs> stupid cowboy and their back cowboy boots, the little frillies on the ends of them, and they're like. You ride an 80? That's a 500 whatever quad, you know, you know, or the TRX, the TRX 250R with yeah, the hot yeah. quad. Like, they quit, making, they quit making those names sick, but everybody had to have a TRX right. 250R, and they're like, I'd smoke you. I'm like, dude, you're not going to beat me, dude. It ain't going to happen. But, like, I just, the whole segment just brought up so many memories from high school. Oh, that's was, great. I was just dying. Well, Chris, uh, before I, I give let you give your thoughts on it, so while that was going on, I would say I, I, I was watching on Facebook Live or maybe YouTube Live. I can't remember. I was switching back and forth. A lot of comments, a lot of people hating on it. Obviously, that's what we get on social media. Uh, but I got two. I got an email and I got an Instagram direct message from two guys 
that follow me that are fans of Pulp, but they're quad guys. And they're like, oh, my God, please, please, please let me come on the wrap-up show, uh, which I already had my guest. But I am going to, once we're done, I'm going to have uh, James Vidmar and Cody Jansen reached out, which Cody Jansen has a pretty – uh, pretty good resume, actually. He is the. Uh, let me, I'm gonna give this to you guys. He's the 2019 ATV MX National Champion in plus 25. He is uh 2014 AMA ATV Pro Rookie of the Year and a three-time ATV MX National Champion. So he's gonna be coming on a little bit just to give a quick thoughts on that quad section. Um, but Chris, yeah, um, yeah, this was definitely the highlight of the show. I mean, Hammy, Hammy was good. Hammy was I would I would fully support him coming back on again because it was pure comedy gold. Even if he was spewing a lot of bullshit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he was my he was lap awesome. times are my close to breaks. Line was, <laughs> well, my favorite line was ask anyone. I'm known to, I'm known to pull bitches at the track. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that. I didn't I didn't even hear that. That's awesome. Yeah, he just dropped it out of nowhere when that's they were great. talking about the do quad guys pull hotter chicks. And okay, I mean, I can. I also that's the same here. The quad guys do pull hot chicks, and Nuts. I think it's because if you go like if you drive but walk by their trailers at the races and stuff, I mean, everyone's over there. It's a big party going on. I mean, they're just slamming beers and stuff. So the <laughs> the girls are there for the party, and then yeah, um, and they're the show. You know, they're the highlight. So when they go up to the fence and. I suppose it's easier for them to get them on there and go ride with them and stuff too. I don't know, but yeah, it's uh, it's funny. And then uh, <laughs> JT came back on for the third call, and um, he said something like, "I ain't going down. It's eleven or twelve twenty-two, and I'm still standing." Yeah. <laughs> and I think JT was concerned he was going to fall over and told him to go get a seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there was definitely some uh, some tension, like fun tension between JT. And Hammy, and it started, at the, you know, the, I think on the first call where he he was just kind of giving busting JT's balls, and then Steve tried to give him a prize, and you know, do you have a bike? Well, no, I have a side by side and a quad, and Paul busted out. That's not any better. That's not good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and JT threw out, yeah, it's, you know, you don't you don't have to have any talent to ride a quad, um, which you know, look, a lot of us moto guys. Hate on the quad guys. My producer of my show is an ex-quad guy, and it's constant busting balls. But, um, Andy, yeah, how about the thumb throttle? <laughs> the thumb throttle quote from Steve. Yeah, that was that was super funny. And the thing, like, look, different though, the quad guys, they do kind of, like, live in this weird – so we hired this guy. They worked for us for a long time. He poured our seat foams. And this guy's name was Mark. And poor Mark, he, uh, like – Quad guys are, they are a little different. Like, they really think, so we have you quad quad guys, like, you have your top-tier dudes that race at the professional level. Mm-hmm. Those dudes are good. Like, sure. Like, they're really good. But then, like, from like there's a huge drop-off. Like, there's it's not like, in the moto scene, the guy from the from the Loretta's in the 250 C class to the guy that's riding 250 A Sport, like, it's a, if you look at, at the way it goes, it's a nice graph, and it goes, Gets drops. It's real smooth transition. Like you see him this year, he finishes here. It's like like a nice way. Like but the quad, it's either you are in the top tier, or you are the guy who chugs three beers and then go races your motor. Like <laughs> okay. there's no, yeah. there's like no in between, right? So this guy Mark, he because he was that like he told me that. So he goes to the local Suzuki shop, he buys this quad, and um, 
he, he, and he's like, oh yeah, I would smoke you on a quad and tell, you know, tell me all the stuff that if we were racing quad for fun, I'd, I'd smoke you. I'm like, fine. Okay, buddy, let's go. And where does he want to go? He wants to go to this like random field. Like he doesn't want to go to a track. So right. I go, okay, we go around and, and I get on this quad and he's got no joke. He wore his jersey to work that day, like worked all day in his jersey. Like we go over this field, I throw my helmet on and I just start slinging donuts and popping these big old wheelies and like doing all this stuff. I go, all right, it's your turn, dude. He just loaded, he just loaded it back up in his truck and went away. <laughs> like he was so butt, he was so butt sore because like it like I don't know. It's so weird. Like there's no there's no like it, from the experience I've had with the quad people. Like you ride quad or you're just like Joel Hetricks and you're just like super sick. There's no there's no Carson Mumford. There's no like, there's none of that like. I don't know. It's just weird. It's no in between. From yeah. the experience I've been around it. Huh. Well, uh, Chris, you know, at some point, obviously, Steve Steve got pretty wound up, and it, I think it started with a thumb throttle comment. Where yeah. He's like, you know, he started yelling, and uh, which A-Ray found funny when he came on later, kind of told him he lost his shit, where, you know, oh, my God, it would take a lifetime to figure out, you know, how to use a thumb throttle. And then he throws out the uh, quad riders or failed dirt bikers. They suck balls, um, which, <laughs> at, at which point I'm damn near in tears um yeah that was that was pretty that's that's actually i've already cut that out as a drop so that's going to be used go ahead yeah steve was uh he was actually in a really really mellow mood and he actually earlier yeah. in the show at some point he said he didn't even know if he was mad about anything or or had a rant and then i actually was watching that part on youtube too and it was awesome you could see it in his face that he was visibly disturbed, yeah. yelling into the microphone and, yep. and going at it. And he's like, I guess this is my rant. I'm, I'm going on. And he just kept on going, and it, it never stopped through the rest of the show. He just he just kept on going and going. Um, once he was elevated, he stayed elevated. Um, yeah, 100%. By the way, I went, and, uh, I went and did some research on this 2013 Redbud on okay. YouTube. Okay. Um, so It was not the same day that the quads raced. And the national was typical red bud motocross as far as really, really deep, ruddy, rough, and all that stuff. The quad race was much different prep, um, much more of a flat track, like like you'd want for quads. Sure, um, yeah, it makes wasn't sense. nearly as rough, and and they have these like wall berms that basically get built up. But I mean, don't get me wrong; it wasn't like smooth or easy or anything. But you got to, I mean, the prep was completely different. You can't really compare those lap times fairly when it's not on the same day or even close right. to the same track. Where, I mean, I've ridden Red Bud like National Weekend, and I know how rough it or rutted and just deep it gets. I mean, you ride a 450, it feels like you're on a 250F. The thing doesn't want to move. Uh, it just, they didn't have that going on. Right. So you can't compare those lap times. So that's, <laughs> that's not fair. Now, at the same but, point, but he the said it, he said it like fast. five times. It has to be true. <laughs> yes, he's got Brayton covered. Yeah, yeah, a- Andy. I-, I picture it being uh, kind of like what you're used to, right? A little blue groove, run the cushion, hang that right rear off the right up on the cushion a little bit, and just th- full throttle. Pass on the Nerf bar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but yeah, they. I mean, Go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say like um, here in Northern California for years, they used to let the quads race. You know, there was a moto. You know, for the quad. Hmm. Depending on when they went, the quads sometimes were faster than the bikes. But like if they, you know, you know, that was because if they went before the track was, you know, if they had an early moto or whatever, like the quads don't 
they don't develop the same braking bumps like the, the dirt bikes do or worse. Like it, it, they don't have those sections like Colorado where they're coming down the hill there. I mean, it swallowed up Eli, you know, when he was on the Honda. Oh, yeah. And it'd be like, you know, you know what I mean? Like you're coming down these hills and it's like you're trying to navigate in these like little ruts and you're trying to go as fast as you can with braking bumps in the ruts and so on. And so there, there, I feel like there are situations or, or even track conditions or even this way the track's laid out where the quad will be the same speed as the, as the bike, but it's not going to be like that at every track, I promise. Right, right. Right. Well, I got to thank Hammy for giving us a giving us a race tech rant of the night because I was, you know, it's it's not it's not really a, a full show. It's not a true pulp show without one. So I appreciate that. Do either are are either of you surprised that Alex Ray used to train with a, a quad guy? They explained it a lot. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Okay, a couple more things, and we're going to wrap this thing up. Um, so. Steve, you know, said, and we kind of know this, but Steve openly said Monday night how happy he is that Chris Kiefer has been giving him shit for so long that he finally got back into riding. You know, um, dude, I know you guys are both friends with Steve. As a fan of Steve's, you know, of the show, it's it's just awesome to see him back on a bike, even if it's just going to Western. You know, if he never races again, it's just good, man. It's good content, and it's good seeing him out there. Uh, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it actually was a motivator for myself, and I bet it is for a lot of the audience as well. Um, and I'm just, it's, I'm excited to see him just healthier. And honestly, he seems a lot happier um, in general, just about everything. And I think it's badass. And Kiefer is relentless, but <laughs> he knew that he knew that he would come around. Yeah. And it's fun to hear him talk about it. Like I love their stories. The Glenn Helen show after the the vet race of them going racing and stuff like we wouldn't be able to have that if he wasn't back riding it yeah. just adds a whole nother story for them to talk about and and whatnot on the shows and um it's just another dynamic that he can relate to his audience and stuff so i think it's it's awesome and and badass for sure that he's back riding i agree that that was actually my favorite show the the post uh glenn helen show that took number one for me i, I enjoyed that a lot andy how about you man how great is it seeing steve and the boys seeing dune goon go riding and it's uh it's good stuff. Yeah, I think it's well, I mean, for me it's it's great that Steve it's probably a little better, but I mean for me any just anybody riding and that's what I always am trying to encourage so much riding like for anybody and, and so it's great to have Steve back on a bike. Um I feel like especially, you know, riding I don't get to ride as much as I used to, but when I do get to ride, I feel like, you know, it just I don't know, it just brings back old memories and stuff. I mean it's He's got to feel like inside. You know, he probably feels even better than what he's telling us, right? You right. Know, so I'm right. sure that he's he's even enjoying it more than he's leading on. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge advocate for just people riding in general. That's that's a rule in my house. When kids come over to visit, first thing I do is I ask the other parents, "Hey, or you know, are you opposed to your child riding a dirt bike? Because if if not, I will teach them if they've never ridden one." Oh, and that's, that's cool. Like, and so I have a couple little fifties that we have at the house for my kids, and and then we have a couple extra fifties and a Kellex one ten and some other bike just for uh, my my kids. You know, when they invite friends over, that their friends can enjoy it too. Yeah, that's rad, man. Wait, oh, that's really cool. Okay, I'm going to wrap this thing up with my favorite quote of the night. Um, Paul Parabinos. 
talking about uh, Big James Stewart. There ain't no such thing as a track too wet. At some point, it's going to be perfect. That was my favorite line of the entire night. I loved it. That that was great. Um, I and, and I could hear Big James saying that. So yeah, that was. Uh, a good end to a great show. Guys, I really, really appreciate the two of you coming on here um, and helping out, and it, I think that's a wrap. Thanks, guys. Yeah, for sure. All right. Thanks for having me, buddy. I appreciate Ab- it. Absolutely, guys. Thanks. We'll, uh, we'll do this again sometime. Just a quick heads up. There's a little bit of background noise during the second segment with Cody Jansen and Jim Vidmar. Uh, we just couldn't get rid of it. When really couldn't figure out where it's coming from, but uh, bear with it. It's not uh, it's not too significant, I don't think. So enjoy. All right, boys, we're back for a little uh, bonus content on the quad segment. I want to introduce first. Uh, let's see, he is a three-time ATV MX national champion. He is a former ATV Derby Pro World Champion, 2019 ATV MX National Champion, the Plus 25, and 2014 AMA ATV Pro Rookie of the Year, Cody Jansen. What's up, dude? What's going on, Dark Side? Oh, not a lot, man. We, uh, we're going to talk some quad stuff here from the Pulp Show Monday night. Um, typically, I just do the two guests, but you got yourself and uh, my next guest, Mr. Jim Vidmar, reached out to me Monday night. Jim, how are you doing, man? I'm good, Dark Side. How are you? I'm doing good. I don't have a resume for you. I don't know. You could be a national champion as well. Um, I don't have that information if you are. But uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this. So, obviously, it was funny. It was fun. Steve got wound up. Cody, I'm going to go with you first. What are your thoughts on Hammy and uh, how Steve handled him? You know, Steve got, like I said, Steve got a little... Uh, he, he went on a race tech rant and said that, you know, quad guys are... Uh, Failed motocrossers, failed dirt bike riders. Give me your overall thoughts on the topic, on the subject, and on Hammy. Yeah, I mean, Hammy, the thing is, is Hammy knows what he's talking about. Um, he just, he just, he came in a little tuned up, you know, he wasn't in good, good position, you know, good condition because Hammy, uh, Hammy's a former pro himself. He's a former rookie of the year. Like, he knows what he's talking about, but he wasn't able to articulate what he was talking about. So, um, yeah, to have him call in a few times, I think it was a little, like, cringeworthy. But, uh, yeah, Steve took it like a champ, and, and I think it's even worth pointing out, honestly, that Steve wasn't hating on quads. I mean, him and I even messaged back and forth a little bit about it today, and he just wanted to reiterate, like, there's no issue with quads, nothing like that. It's just that, uh, yeah, uh, quad guys are failed dirt bike guys, and, and that in, fact, in itself isn't true, I don't think. but. Um, you know, I think that Steve is underestimating how difficult ATV racing is. Okay. Um, so I just, like I said, I just had Andy Gregg on and um, Chris Riesenberg from Race Tech, and we were talking about that just a little bit. Jim, and I'll get your, your thoughts here in just a second. Uh, he, he said he went and kind of, or Chris, I think it was, went and looked up some of the, the stuff about Redbud that year that Hammy was talking about. And track prep was quite a bit different, apparently. It was a little, you know, smoother maybe. Um, do you, when, when Hammy says, oh man, I was within a, you know, a few tenths or a few seconds or whatever it was of Brayton, how realistic is that? I mean, how comparative would you say that is? So, I mean, yes, obviously there is going to be different track prep because having hundreds of quads on a track is going to make it different. And obviously having all these bikes and it's going to get bike rutted and all these things like, yeah, track conditions are going to be different. But if you have red bud quad prepped where it's, you know, it's blue grooves in some spots, 
it's fast and in some spots where, you know, you can kind of bomb the corners and stuff like that. Like if you put blue groove out there, quad prep, they're going to run away from the bikes. And then if you, and then if you have bike ruts, obviously the bike guys are going to have an advantage. So if you go somewhere in between, like I know that there's a video out there on YouTube of Ken Roxton and Joel Hetrick from 2015, like at red, their helmet cams on like Joel Hetrick and, and, and Kenny are pretty close. Like I think actually Joel ends up like running the faster lap time. So, I mean, I just wish that Hammy could have been able to articulate what he was trying to say. Cause he's not even trying to, you know, um, he's not trying to compare himself to uh, JB. It's just that, like, on that day, on that track, he could run that lap time, you know? Yeah. Uh, Jim, so, uh, yeah, that I think Hammy's saying so many times over and over, well, my, my, t- my times were close was what was kind of, one, it was entertaining as a listener. It was funny. But Steve was kind of like getting, you know, he was over it pretty quick, I think, with Hammy. Um, but what did you think of uh, while, while he, Hammy was busting balls with JT and JT said basically, as a joke, I'm sure, but it doesn't take much, it doesn't take any talent to ride a quad. That's for you, Jim. You know, I think that uh, JT and everybody on the call made some, some good points. And I think JT was very complimentary of the quads. And I think JT got turned off about, kind of like Cody said, the way that Hammy came in so hot right from the beginning. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest thing with JT. I think I agree with Cody also that I think Hammy couldn't articulate exactly his point, um, which as a quad guy I got that with the right conditions, the quads can run competitive times with the bikes. But I think Steve and everyone was kind of missing that based on the way that Hammy was putting it out. And the fact that Hammy was uh, a little bit maybe intoxicated also <laughs> maybe. maybe contributed to that. It certainly made for an interesting call and a lot of entertainment. And I think I appreciated, you know, at one point, Chris gave a shout-out to the quads. Paul several times to for the quad guys. So I think all in all, everybody was pretty pretty respectful of the quads and had some good things to say. I think that the conversation just got off on the wrong foot when Hammy came in. Yeah. Not right at the beginning of JT. Yeah, I agree. But, I mean, again, for the show, for the content of Pulp MX, which, you know, which pretty much is what the show is about, it was, it was good. There was a few people um, online that were kind of busting on it. They didn't want to hear about it. But I found it very entertaining. I laughed numerous times. So, uh, Cody, as, just as content, whether Steve, you know, means it you know that there that whether he really believes uh you know Eli Tomac could be leading a you know be a top five guy in the quad nationals in four months or not whether he believes that or not it was a extremely entertaining uh segment and I probably will go back and listen to it again it was I mean I've honestly I've listened to it a few times it's like I said it's cringeworthy when Hammy's you know kind of trying to say what he's saying and, and i'm like oh i'm like I, I i can't it's hard to listen to some of it but um you know jp is obviously going to bat somewhat for the quads because Fly has so much uh you know market share of the quad market paul who paul at rental and and he's my rental guy he's chad Reedon's rental guy like he you know he's and not anti-quad by any means but um again like 
this is a this is a, a good talking point for the downtime that we have right now. But um, you know, like th- there's just so many things. Like as a beginner, like they're onto something. I mean, as a beginner, it's easy to put around on a quad. It's easier to put around on a quad than it is on a bike. If you put a beginner rider on a quad versus getting them on a bike. But it is also true that it's harder to ride a quad fast than it's than it is to ride a bike fast. Like Steve said, like four tires means more stability, which is true. But four tires also means that, you know, you're hitting more bumps, you're being affected by uneven faces, et cetera, et cetera. So like it's just it's so different. Um and this is a this is an argument that will exist until the end of time. But like whoever you pick from top level pros, ATVs, Joel Hattrick, Chad Weenan, Thomas Brown, Jeffrey Rochelle, it doesn't matter. I truly believe that they will be a better bike riders than any top bike guy putting them on a quad. Like Eli Tomek's a bad dude. Like Eli's a bad dude, obviously amazing athlete, all these things, but you could give him a year nonstop. And I truly believe this to prepare. And he's not going to be top five pro ATV speed because the top five pro ATV guys are riding those four wheelers as fast as they will physically go. And, uh, I just, and and the other thing too, is like fast bike guys have respect for fast quad guys and vice versa versa. It's the goons, um, for lack of a better term that bash on each other and can't coexist. And like Alex Ray talked about it. Filthy Phil talked about it on the privateer Island life podcast. And he kind of basically said to Steve, he's like, you're wrong. Um, cause Phil would know, cause he's been training that club and that's where Joel Hetrick is the reigning pro champ. And he said, he rode Joel's quad a little bit. And he said, there's no chance that one of those bike guys is going to get on that quad and, and be comparable. So, uh, again, great content. It was like awesome for us. Good for the quad community to be talking about this. Obviously I wish Cammy wouldn't have been the way that he was for the quad community, but um, even just for me to be able to kind of be on your show, talk about quad stuff a little bit. And I, to be honest, because I'm the quad podcast guy, like I have hundreds and hundreds of messages from people about the pulp show. So, um, I mean, overall, like still, a, still good exposure for the quads. We're just trying to, uh, you know, kind of fix the dump dumpster fire that's going on and kind of right some wrongs from the other night, I guess. Yeah, I did forget to mention that you're the host of the Digging, De- Digging Deep ATV MX podcast. Uh, so, yeah, if you guys are, want to check that out, that, that'd be really cool. Um, so I was going to ask you the question that you sort of just answered, but I want to ask James the same – or Jim, sorry, Jim, the same question. Um, what do you think? Do you think it would be easier for a top-level motocross guy to go to quads and be competitive or vice versa? I think it would be easier for the top-level quad guy to go to a bike and be competitive. Um, I agree with Cody that it, there are so many more things that you have to take into account on the quad that you do on the bike. And, you know, I even take it one step further because I've been around this game long enough to race three-wheelers, which is a little bit in one segment. And I even think it takes a better, take a better rider to go faster on the three-wheelers back in the day than it does on a quad. Those and things are gnarly. Or were. I'm in complete agreement with Cody that I, I think if we did this challenge that Hannah brought up in the third call, and we had two or three top ATV guys and two or three top five guys and did the flip-flop, I would 
I would put my money on the, the, the three clan guys being the fastest at the end. Okay. All right, last question. Um, with the the Walker Fowler jersey thing, which Jim and I have talked about it, but I want to get your thoughts, Cody. Uh, look, I've said before on the Rapid Show for that episode, if I was a national champion at anything, I would I would probably take my number one plate and wear it as a necklace. You know what I mean? I'd be so proud. But that's a little bit of exaggeration, obviously. What do you think? Is it cool to wear your jersey, your your personal jersey, out in public to an event? Yeah, I can't I can't get on board with that. Um, not going to dog on Walker. Walker's killer athlete, amazing competitor, all these things. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, even me, like I'm not going to put my jersey on and wear it around. <laughs> yeah, um, I I can't even like wear you know my own my own apparel around only like my digging deep stuff is cool, but not my own like national championship stuff. Like I, I can't have a hard time wearing that, but uh, yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to dog on Walker, but uh, you're not going to find me wearing my, wearing my own stuff. It's actually like, that's one of those things with the ATVs. I hate that wearing your own Jersey is now associated with ATV guys, but, <laughs> right, uh, right, right. but I guess we, uh, I guess we'll take what we can get, I guess. Well, boys, I appreciate you coming on for a few minutes and uh, giving us a quick uh, your thoughts on the Pulp Show from Monday night from Quad Guys, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it, Dark Side. Thanks so much. All right. We'll talk to you guys yeah, soon. Yeah, thanks, Dark Side. Yeah, no problem, Jim. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you guys soon. Why would you want to talk, re-talk about the Pulp Show?